Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Chris. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. So last week we had a really good discussion on feeding the performance horse. So I think this is a good one to follow up. And, and the reason I say that is fats, good bad fats, feeding fats to horses. This is something I've seen over my career really increase in interest. I did some research studies on it. I, I, I went to the nutrition conferences and this was a big hot topic. Oh, we're feeding fats to horses. How much do we feed? Which ones do we feed? There's a huge amount of interest in, the, in this, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I would say this foundationally is a groundbreaking change in how we feed horses over the last couple decades. Because for a very long time, we fed very low fat diets because the natural diet of the horse is low fat, forage, two to 3% fat usually. And the horse doesn't have a gallbladder. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So we're like, oh, fat, no, not for horses. And then once we did the research, we're like, oh, we can feed a fair amount of fat to horses. That's cool. And then from there, realize there's tons of positive impacts on feeding fat to horses that I doubt they even realized would be the direction this went when they very first started this research. So foundationally, this has been huge and it's been a major shift in how we feed horses. Are you kidding me? I mean, I remember at the early stages, oh my God, I'm dating myself, but it was like, oh yeah, feed them as much fat as you want. You know, they'll do fine. (laughs) And now we know, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Not too much or the right kind, right? Because that's what Ah. we talk about today, good versus bad fat. Fair point. Yeah, I mean, fat is definitely good. You can push fat too far. I would argue, I don't, and I think you should leave it as the name of this podcast, uh, clickbait, but I would argue (laughs) there isn't good and bad fat. Yeah. All fat has a place in the diet, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but thinking mm -hmm. about the balance of them and there's some ways we can really optimize horse health with different fats is absolutely the case. But I do think some types of fats get absolutely demonized and that's not fair. Well, we'll we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. I I may challenge you on that. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're the nutritionist, so so I'll be interested to to your take on it. You know, but I I get what you're saying. Bad. It's not necessarily bad. It's just maybe not as, I would argue, maybe not as healthy, but we'll see. We'll get there. We'll Mm -hmm. get there. We'll leave them hanging. So I guess starting this off, what did we discover? What are the benefits of feeding more fat to our horses? So one of the first things that was really looked at is, can we replace calories in the diet with fat, specifically sugar and starch with fat? Some great things happen there. We know lots of sugar in the diet isn't a good thing. So fat is a super available, ready source of calories. The horse can digest pretty well up to a certain point. Let's us keep meal sizes smaller. Great for digestive health. It also improves skin and hair coat. So that shiny horse everybody wants, fat absolutely helps with that. And and that's something we've anecdotally known for a very long time, right? The old horse trader's trick was a couple tablespoons of corn oil to make a horse shiny. You see calmer behavior, less stereotypies, because you're taking out some of that sugar and starch and replacing it with fat. We've also learned a lot on the exercise physiology side. So we talked a little bit about this in our performance horse podcast, but fat is cooler calories that the horse can very effectively use 
when they're working anaerobically. And there's actually um, some benefits to using fat over sugar when a horse is working anaerobically. So from an exercise phys standpoint, fat has a huge place in supporting horses' stamina, helping them do their jobs. Um, And then even things like healthier hooves, increased reproductive efficiency, like everything's interconnected and fat can help in a lot of different systems in the horse. Oh, it is. It's, it, it is amazing what we found. And I've, I've had fun talking to you about some of this stuff, especially the mega fatty acids, because I, you know, some of the research that, that we did, but okay, let's get into the, the, the good versus quote unquote bad fats. And, and I only say that because I guess you're right. It's not bad, but uh, maybe not as healthy because like you mentioned corn oil and early on in my career, like I said, you know, horse was a little light on the body condition score. And I said, just add a cup, you know, one cup of, of oil, go just get any oil off the shelf, uh, your grocery store and top dress the feed and the horse that's just adding calories. Right. And the horse will do well. And it was usually corn oil. And corn oil is a good one, right? It is, but is it the healthiest? Is it is that not one of the bad fats? That's where I was going to throw it in, just because it's high in omega sixes versus omega three. So I'm just being nerdy, you know. But but is it? I mean, is it or is it just still? Oh, it's okay. But you know, there's some better yeah. ones out there. Yep. So I think it's important to realize that both have a place in the body. Okay. So omega threes and omega sixes are both required. In fact, if you actually look at the horse's requirements, they do not have a defined requirement for alpha-linolenic acid. It's our main omega-3. They do have a defined requirement for linoleic acid. Okay, okay. Omega-6. There is a minimum amount a horse needs every day of omega-6s. So omega-6s, they're a great source of calories. They can be used for all that stuff we just talked about. One of the challenges, though, is they are part of your pro-inflammatory cascade. So, you know, it it drives the production of pro-inflammatory prostaglandins. All inflammation is not bad inflammation, though. So a lot of times we think about inflammation in the sense of, like, acute injuries or cuts or whatever. If you've had a horse's cellulitis, you're desperately trying to get that inflammation down because it is not good. However... Inflammation to a certain extent is part of the healing process. And some of those pro-inflammatory molecules are also signals to different types of processes in the body. So if you don't have them, functions don't always work. But omega-3s, as we have realized, are part of that anti-inflammatory cascade and definitely one we want to support. So I wouldn't say it's good versus bad. It's all about balance. So you do need omega-6s, but if you shift the pendulum towards tons and tons of omega-6s, not very omega-3s, like your traditional corn oil, you know, you are promoting more of that pro-inflammatory state. And there's definitely issues with long-term chronic inflammation that we're still learning about. But that doesn't mean omega-6s are bad and that we should try to completely avoid them. So I would say like super, if you're like, I'm bored of this podcast, I want to leave now. In general, in <laughs> no, general, stay, just stay. no, but my, my rule of thumb is I only get wildly concerned about the balance of omegas when we start adding lots of fat supplements, because there are a lot of omega-3s coming from your forage. 
So combine that with a commercial feed, even though that commercial feed is higher in omega-6s, in general, it balances out. But we've realized fat is good and we add it for lots of things. If we're adding lots of fat supplements, like when you added that cup of oil, then I am definitely concerned about the composition of that oil. And now we recognize there are different issues in horses, allergies, reproductive stuff, that omega-3s in really high levels can actually be very helpful. So it's not good versus bad, it's balance, and they all have a part, but this is where we start to get more nuanced right. in how we develop these diets. Right, right, right. Or, you know, what supplements to feed and choose and things like that. So, so with that being said, the vegetable oils, are they all the same? I mean, corn versus soy versus rice versus canola, mm, you know, okay. are all those oils the same? Yeah, no, they definitely differ. Corn is the worst, okay? Yes, okay. <laughs> so on average, right, so corn oil is 57% omega-6 and 3% omega-3. It's basically our worst one. Soybean oil, 54% omega-6, 8% omega-3, so a little bit better. And a lot of times soy oil is what is added to commercial feeds, but you still usually hit that balance with your forage. Canola, actually, in terms of like budget, if I'm just going to buy like a straight oil, canola is going to do the best. Um, it's 19% omega-6, 9% omega-3. So you're basically two to one omega-6 to omega-3, which is really not bad. Um. After that, as we get into some of like the more boutique oils, we can get higher in omega-3s, but generally any of like your straight veg oils are going to be higher omega-6 and omega-3. What you would buy at the grocery store is generally a blend of corn and soybean oil if it's a vegetable oil, if it's marketed as vegetable oil. And that's going to shift depending on what the markets do. So how much corn versus soybean oil is how much produced, the price, all of that stuff. I wouldn't recommend going and adding like slugs of just straight veg oil yeah, to your diet because it's really high omega-6 in that yeah. case. Yeah. All right. So there's, the, there's the, 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 the supermarket, what we did back in the day a couple decades ago. Now, like you said, some of these boutique oils, flaxseed oil fish oil and now hemp oil. Can you talk about these three? Like these, these are the ones that, that we're seeing being pushed and like, wow. Okay. These, this is what has you excited, right? As a nutritionist. Oh yeah. And, and I will say I, I've been playing with different oil blends for a couple of years. Um, and it's not the easiest thing in the world to come up with a higher omega-3 oil that's still palatable. Mm -hmm. and stable. Yes. Okay. So one of the challenges as omega-3s increase, your stability decreases and fat goes rancid more quickly. doesn't matter how great it is if it goes rancid because then the horse doesn't even want to touch it. So fish oil is, it, it varies by species, um, but it's super low in omega-6s, like three, 4%, up to 30, 35% omega-3, kind of depending on it. One of the challenges, of course, is palatability. Yeah. So they do sell deodorized fish oils. We have tried it. Guys, it's still kind of fishy. <laughs> it still smells, yep. <laughs> yeah. So getting horses to eat that um, or even some of like the algae-based omega-3s, that can be challenging. Um, actually, this is kind of funny. I remember being in high school. My mom would be like, you have to take fish oil pills. 
I don't eat fish normally. Like it's yeah. just not for me. Yeah. And I ate a fish oil pill and then I like burped later and it tasted oh, like no. fish. And I was oh, like, no. no, no, never again. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure some horses feel the same way. <laughs> So, you know, fish oil from a nutritional standpoint has lots of research surrounding it. It can be challenging to feed in real life. Flaxseed oil, that's another one. It's super high omega-3, over 50%, 15-ish percent omega-6s. So, like, that's fantastic because it's so high omega-3, not super stable. So we need to be cognizant of that. Um, I like flaxseed oil in a blend and add stabilizers. I think it brings some nice omega-3s, but that kind of helps deal with some of the stability issues. Hemp oil, which you brought up, that's one that I recently got excited about. And hemp oil, you know, it's it's okay on that omega-3 to omega-6 blend, but just to make life, you know, more complicated and kind of hit back your sixes are bad, hemp contains gamma-linoleic acid, which is actually an anti-inflammatory omega-6. So, you know, we put this stuff in these broad categories, pro-inflammatory, anti-inflammatory. When you dig into some of the specific fatty acids, like we only talk about a couple. There's a whole bunch of them. So even though hemp has more omega-6, it has that anti-inflammatory omega-6. And then like you have steridonic acid, which is very efficiently used in the body. That's one of the omega-3s that compared to alpha-linoleic acid is more efficiently used. So again, when you just look at the balance, it doesn't always tell the whole story. But speaking of balance, we don't know exactly in the horse what the perfect balance of omega-6 to omega-3s is. For that matter, we don't actually know that in humans. But kind of the generally accepted goal in humans is one-to-one. Let's borrow that for horses as well. Anytime we're looking at some of these boutique oils combined with the traditional diet, we're generally going to be more than well off. We're actually increasing your omega-3s. Even just forage plus commercial concentrate with soy oil or canola oil on the outside of it, you're still generally more omega-3s than omega-6s simply because even though forage is low fat, most of that fat is omega-3s. Just listening to you, Nicole, it, it I think people should feel great and happy that there's someone out there like you. There are a lot of people researching this, developing the knowledge, because where I was in omega fatty acids a, few, you know, a decade ago at Florida – has completely shifted to what your understanding is today. And that's that's due to all the research that you're doing. So my I tip my hat to you. That's amazing. Just listening to you talk about it and get excited about it, like that infectious enthusiasm. I guess my next question would be, how best do we feed fats? You know, is it just, just to concentrate, just pick a bag, or are there other things that we should be looking at? Hmm, good point. So I think the simplest way to feed fat is to feed a high-fat concentrate. Okay. You're not adding stuff. You don't have drippy jugs of oil everywhere, all of that stuff. So I think that's a really effective way to feed fat. Now, if I have a horse who has issues that really bumping up the omega-3s would help, heaves, COPD, allergic allergies in general. Um, You know, there's even some really interesting research that it helps with reproductive health. Um, really fascinating, like high omega-3s can improve semen quality. 
So for that reason, I think if we have one of those targets, then looking at some of those top dresses is beneficial because we can get those higher omega-3s. So it's a little bit of a balance there. What's our goal? What's our horse's needs? Simplicity versus targeting specific things. And then on top of that, you know, how can we develop a program for a whole barn that is consistent and not too complicated? So I think there's absolutely a place for these top dress oils. They're maybe not needed in every situation. Um, but, you know, I'm very happily feeding some at home right now. So I think they definitely have a place. Well, okay. So that's my next question is <clears throat> you just came up with this product and you said you've been looking at oils for the last couple of years. And again, that's why I say I tip my hat to you because how did you formulate this? But now what, Wholesome Blends Omega Plus, can you just talk about that real quick? How did you come up with it? You know, because it has the hemp oil, the, the flaxseed and other stuff in it. Uh, but that story about how you came up with it and then how would you use it uh, <laughs> is very interesting. So first I will tell you I had multiple failures. Like (laughs) (laughs) I made some things that did not work. Um, So it definitely was a process. I tried a lot of different oils. Um, Palatability was an issue with some, stability an issue with others. I hilariously made this oil that did not smell great. So I added cherry flavoring and then the guys in manufacturing were like, this is disgusting. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) if if they're like, this is gross, I can't imagine a horse owner wanting to feed this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, but ultimately what I was looking to do is develop an oil that had those benefits for a horse who needs more omega-3s or anti-inflammatory omega-6s in the case of hemp that was still really palatable. So we used to have a product, 369 Shine. Nutritionally, it was fantastic, but again, it contained fish oil and palatability was just such a huge issue. So that was one of the strong focuses here. And really fascinating as I worked on these different blends is that hemp oil, highly palatable. So it's it's been really interesting. Um, fed it to quite a few horses now. Um, and in fact, by the way, I bought a new horse. Oh, no. No, <laughs> <And> six. <laughs> no only four. Only four. Um, yeah, no, he's picky. And the really fascinating thing, top dressing with this oil actually drove intake. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which normally when we add more fat, a lot of times horses back off their feet. So that's been really fascinating. It's been a repeated thing I've noted in hard keepers. It actually is super palatable. So ultimately kind of looking for all those positive attributes of those anti-inflammatory type oils in a package that was still super palatable. And that's how we ultimately landed with the hemp, flax, and canola blend that is Wholesome Blend's Omega Plus Oil. Oh, great. Great. Well, all right. So you developed this. How would you feed this? You just top dress it or what are you recommending? Yeah. So this is a top dress product. It comes in a jug with a pump um, and we add it on top of their regular grain. Anywhere from two to eight ounces per day, depending on when they're, we're looking for a little bit of shine on their coat, a little bit of omega support to a lot of omega support and weight gain. So it's pretty variable. Um, the amount an individual horse needs is going to depend on kind of what we're targeting, but it can be really helpful for horses who, you know, have things like allergic inflammation, heave, COPD. And then again, just as a very palatable weight gain boost as well. I've seen horses do so well on adding oil. I've just, I've personally seen it. I've done research on it. I'm such a big believer in the omega threes, uh, you know, with the omega sixes too. I just, I, even doing the research we've done, 
Uh, it's a fascinating product. So, you know, any other tips, I guess, as we wrap this one up, you know, I just, I'm just fascinated by it all, but you know, on feeding fats or anything that, that owners should be aware of. Yep. So, you know, my final tip would be don't go too crazy. Some fat is definitely good. Um, but if you're feeding a high fat feed, so 10 to 12% feed, we can definitely still add a little bit more fat on that, but don't start adding like cups of oil on top of a high fat feed because it has to be digested in the small intestine. If those polyunsaturated fats, which all of your liquid fats are polyunsaturated, end up in the hindgut, they kill the fiber digesting bacteria. And as we've talked about, one of our, our goals is to support horses utilizing their entire diet very efficiently. That's best for digestive health. So too much fat can depress fiber degradation, which is going to decrease the calories they get from their hay and it makes for a less healthy hindgut. So there is balance, but yeah, fat can absolutely be a great part of the diet as long as we don't overdo it. I still remember early in the day, feed as much as you want, but we generally recommend a cup. (laughs) Oh gosh, where we've come, where we've come. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, You know, please keep those comments going, those suggestions coming. Uh, If if you haven't yet, could you please go onto iTunes and give us a five-star rating? I know that's specific, but iTunes is still one of the bigger uh, drivers of podcasts and that helps our circulation you know, as we continue to grow and, and, you know, we're starting to, to reach out beyond the borders of the U.S., you know, we're getting downloads all around the world. So, you know, welcome to our international listeners. But thank you so much, Nicole. Another fascinating talk. And I know we've got some really good ones on the way. Thank you, Chris. 